Hello, friends. I bet most of you are surprised to hear from me again. I owe you an apology. We never intended to be gone this long. My work responsibilities have kept me away from this. And frankly, if it weren't for the news that broke on the 23rd that Las Vegas is coming to Peacock as of this recording dropping, we might not have ever reconnected. As it so happened, Eddie and I got together in person that night and recut a new ramble for you. Don't mind the two chains or the inebriation. We were playing shuffleboard. That makes sense if you were there. We wanted to give you a real-time take, but I'm sure we'll get into it with some more sobriety on the next episode. That's right. Eddie and I are going to do our level best to get you at least through the next seven episodes that constitute the balance of James Conn's run on the show. But the takeaway is this. We won. As a community, we single-handedly got hashtag Las Vegas for Peacock. I'm sure there's another better hashtag that we should be using moving forward, but we'll roll with that one one more time for posterity. To paraphrase the legendary John Wick, yeah, I'm thinking we're back. Hit it, Casey. Get the jet ready. We're going to Vegas. Welcome to Pod at the Montecito, the world's premier podcast discussing the hit NBC television show Las Vegas. I'm one of your hosts, Judson Clark. And I'm your other host, Eddie McCarthy. Judson, what's good, my man? Been a minute. Motherfuckers, we did it. Give me my space We fucking did it. Yeah, I mean, that part sucks. That part sucks shit. So we got to be honest, the whole reason why... I mean, this this episode's been in the can since late April. Uh, my my job has been why I haven't done the editing and posting, and my job is why the, the next seventy two hours is gonna suck shit. But we're doing it for the fans, for you, uh, except for the people who live in Kansas City. You just get it for free. We hate you. But the important part is, uh, I did this to myself, bud. Like I waited long enough, and now of course they're gonna bring it to Peacock. And now I owe you a bunch of space bucks. Uh, feels good. Feels great. Also, because you can hear the two chains, because you got him a few chains in the background, we are together, IRL, pretty drunk, and just found out like three hours ago that show's back. Yeah, so, shout, out, uh, shout out to Cynthia for the uh, the intel on that. Uh, what's, what's really important uh, is that we were correct about why it didn't come to streaming. Because, like, we had to do a two... The reason why you don't hear this till the 29th is we had to go to 2 chains and get this cleared for publication, just like Vegas did. Thankfully, he said, oh, I've got 2 chains. Just give me a few chains. And so we did, and we're good. Cheers to all. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Happy holidays. All the holidays. Some of them are over. Some of them are still going. I don't know. But hey, we did it. We got it. Let's fucking go. And if you don't think that each and every one of you is the reason why this shit came to Beacock, you're kidding yourself. We did it. I may have lost space bucks, but we all gained a legacy. Let's fucking go. (laughs) It's season four, episode 11. Wagers of, dare I say it, sin. Hey, oh. We open on the most scintillating 
of television tropes. It's an accounting report. Oh, baby. Get you know those, you're in uh, for a banger when the quarterly reports are in. Get those side rules out. Those number two pencils sharpened. It's time to check out the shrinkage report. And accounting's put together a lot of talk about the shrinking PPs in Bellapetto. Significant shrinkage. So you, you feel you were short-chained. But they report that security and surveillance has the least amount of turtling of any of the departments, which pleases Mike and Danny way more than it should. I mean, I think that Danny referenced that it was the lowest in 10 years that they had. So they're looking at this as like they're killing the game. I just I mean, I didn't give a shit. And as they're about to learn, no one else will. I'm just shocked that they were as excited as they were. Yeah, there's as as results oriented as the Montecito has been. We've never heard anything about, oh, you that shrinkage reports coming up. You better hope that bathtub is cold because it better be tiny, boys. I just think it's like it's a sigh of relief, right? Like, all right, we're not we're not going to get the ire of, of Big Ed, not a fuck yeah, nailed it kind of moment. But what do I know? Notedly famous for handing out compliments and well wishes, Big Ed the line. Speaking of people who think they're going to be pleased, Delina thinks she's going to please Polly greatly because she's framed a write up that Polly got in some, you know, Las Vegas monthly magazine for best manicurist on the strip. Turns out the Ergo Polly's a little down to the dumps. Mm, we we know that life had been great for Polly since she found the love of her life, Chong Ho, and his magical fingers. But uh, he's gone. He's picked up his bag. He's gone off to L.A. He wants to find him a younger model, it turns out. Turns out motherfuckers a commitment foam. Kicking Polly to the curb. Tragic. Delinda, speaking of tragedies, is going to make what ends up being a terrible suggestion for everyone else at the hotel. When she says, Polly, maybe you just need a little time off from work. Oh, Delinda. So, so sweet. So innocent. So going off on half-cocked ideas. <laughs> Well, I mean, she has some full cocked ideas that she enjoys, too. Those are mostly the frisky ferret, though. Indeed. And finally, we have yet another person thinking that they're going to do well and it all going south when Mary is trying to get rid of that last residential suite at the hotel and thinks she found the perfect couple when they come up to talk to her, refuses to let the guy ask a question as she's going pitch, pitch, pitch. She's got the whole thing sold. But really, they just wanted to find the bathroom because the wife is about to and then does puke all over her homemade muffins. There are a lot of times where I'm not sure if something has always resonated with me as it does now in the post-COVID world. But an assortment of unwrapped muffins sitting in a basket, even pre-puke, it's just such a non-starter. It was not where I thought you were going to go with that when you started off with that. But yeah, I mean... Not not I've never been called the muffin man in my day. I sure as shit don't live on Drury Lane, but it didn't look particularly appetizing now. And obviously the puke didn't help. Speaking of things that aren't going to help, Big Ed, not going to help with Mike and Danny's mood, because instead of the attaboys, he's going to give them a lecture with how out of touch with reality they are. And this sets up a friendly wager between the three of them. The titular wager of sin. Old Ed says, you young bucks, you think you're so cool because all you do is stare at cameras and find bad guys? Bullshit. I could do more with just my eyes than either of you two idiots. So the wager is, 24 hours, whoever stops and finds the most crime 
on, on the, the premises, premises this, this time, time wins the bet. But Judd, you and I both know that if you're going to make a bet, you got to have some stakes to it. What do we got? Well, it's not going to be money because Ed, I think, has correctly identified that whatever coin he could take off those idiots is not going to move his bottom line. So instead, it's a, a perk based wager, which is my personal least favorite kind of wager. I'm a cold, hard cash kind of guy. But if either of the kiddos wins, that gentleman gets Big Ed's parking spot for a month while Ed has to park on the unreserved level, the top of the garage. And the other loser has to take the bus for a month. And if Ed wins, both losers have to take the bus for a month. If I am Ed, there's no way I'm taking this deal. I mean, they they tried to just say anybody would have to take the bus and he noped out of that. He was willing to be slightly inconvenienced. And I completely agree with him. Nah, man, you ain't sticking me on a fucking bus with the, I've seen I've seen the public part of the public transportation. No, thank you. I just I'm a big believer in a deal like this. You need to have a a real win, not merely watching other people lose. That's fair. Like I, if I'm at I want something like, yeah, they can ride the bus, but I also want, you know, some other favoritism. I want, you know, something. I I agree with you, but as we've seen, watching others lose is as much of a win for these guys as anything. So I'm I'm not a party to it, so it doesn't matter. I don't like it. I'm very excited for him to duke it out, though. Champions here to dump the mayo. Let's see it. Well, and and that's not going to be the end of the bets, as we learn. Word travels fast in the Montecito and. Sam comes up to Danny to start talking some shit, saying she's betting on Mike, if anything. Danny says, oh, OK, you want a little bit, too? Let's uh, let's make it a little more interesting. And Danny, much better at setting stakes here. Yeah. So if Danny wins, Sam has to wash his car dressed like a bunny. Now, he'd said that in the context of having seen a Playboy bunny lately, but I don't think uh, he insists on the fine print. And that may come back to bite him in the end here. Yeah, D- Danny did, did needed to do a little bit better wordsmithing here with the terms, but we'll get either Sam washing Bumblebee as a bunny rabbit or Danny in Daisy Duke shorts, which that's I know the shorter shorts is the fashion nowadays, but certainly back then it would have been quite the scene. And we're going to see fucking Danny and Daisy Dukes one way or another. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, I do like that they both refuse to acknowledge the possibility that Ed could win at all. They're just like, ha ah, 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 that old geezer. Don't worry about it. No term set. That seems like a poor choice on Sam's part. I feel like she could have easily parlayed this into a two for one. That's a OK. Well, if you feel so strongly, then uh, just throw him in on the mic ticket. Yeah. T- tag him onto my side and we'll get, we're good to go. Not only has Sam found out about the bet, Mike is talking with Betty. We all know Betty. She's been at the coffee shop this whole time. We talk to her all the time, right, Judson? The last four years, as we'll learn later in the episode, which is definitely how long this casino with its coffee shop has been in place. Because, you know, Cup of Joe's had Betty in it all the way back with the Pina Colada track. I was going to say, I do not remember Betty hitting play on the Pina Colada track back in the day, but ah, is what it is. She tries to sweetly give Mike his cup of coffee gratis, but Mike says, no, no, no. What sort of example would that set? I'll just take my employee discount, please. Thank you. Yeah. And 
while Mike's doing this, Ed is chatting up the pit bosses who are thrilled because Ed has got the men on the dealer tip pool. But the seeds of consternation have been planted by some very pissed off looks from the dealers. And it's worth noting, this is now illegal as of a 2018-ish ruling by none other than the Supreme Court of the United States. Oof, aloof. I mean, were I a dealer in this situation, I'd be pretty pissed too, because those bosses are getting paid a lot more than I am. Yeah, famously, pit bosses like will make an all-in less than a really successful dealer. But what they're trading is upward mobility into the rest of management, typically better hours and more predictable income as opposed to highly volatile based on tips. So it's like, hey, you don't have to become a pit boss. You could stay a dealer. But if you do, you got to understand there's puts and takes. Yeah. And it does sure does seem like Ed enriched his uh, his capos at the cost of the foot soldiers. And that's predictably not going over well. So bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. You do got to love the just quick looks we get of just death stares from some of the dealers. And look, I, I get being pissed. But if you're a dealer at the Montecito, you have to know Big Ed's resume and you lock that shit the fuck up. Yeah. When, when Ed is talking to the two pit bosses, he even says, well, they're still going to be the highest paid dealers on the strip. So if they don't like it. They can fucking walk. And if they really don't like it, I'll bury them in the desert. Because <laughs> again, I am Big Ed line who oscillates between mafioso and CIA wet work operative. So do not fuck with me. Yeah, not the guy to side eye. Like, easy for me to say, but if Big Ed comes to me and says, hey, bad news, you're taking a pay cut. I go, I completely understand. Do I need to take a bigger pay cut, sir? Like, I'm a team player here, sir. What, what do I need to do? <laughs> you you, you write down the number that I'm going to make, and I will shake your hand and say thank you. I think we should round this up. I think, you know, you're, you're suggesting 8% for the pit bosses. I think we make it a full 10%. Like, we... <laughs> Got to make that math easier for you. Yeah. It was my understanding that there would be no math. Sam, who had been walking around with a bottle of Cristal, finds her way to the spa. Is the Cristal is for Polly. And recognition of her accolade as greatest manicurist but sam's getting the cold shoulder from polly she's like hey Polly, come on like we got to get going here i got whales coming in their wives are inbound like come on world's best manicurist where you at Polly's like yeah no sorry cho cho fucked me or rather isn't fucking me anymore <laughs> uh not feeling it i think i'm gonna take a little hiatus but but you're right you know i i, I need to get back to this give me six months we'll see what we could do Delinda's suggestion of ah take a couple days has turned into once Polly finds herself a new man. So, yeah, give or take. Give me half a year. Get back up on that horse. Absolutely wild ask by Polly here. Like what? I mean, Six hey, months? she she's got the award winning prestige. She knows that people need her. She can walk for a while if she wants. Apparently. But the real drama is. We're not just going to accept any boyfriend on six month timeline. Let's go and get uh, Choho back. Motherfuckers already off to L.A., though. What's a Polly to do? Well, Polly doesn't want a cracker, but Sam's going to get her a <laughs> private jet. Sir, sir. But Sam's like, all right, we're going to figure this out. They go up to Big Ed's office. Ed, we all know the long and loving relationship he's had with Polly over the years. 
is more than happy to let them take the jet once Sam lays out the whole scenario we're dealing with. I think he sees Polly come in his office like, God, she's going to try and stick her finger in my taint again. <laughs> no, just the jet. Fine. Great. Take it. Please go away. Please, please go away. Only in L.A.? I hear your ex-boyfriend might be in, uh, I don't know, Australia. Why don't you take the jet to there? <laughs> but, Mr. Ed, I don't think the jet can make it that far <laughs> on one take of gas. Hello, I'm Mr. Ed. So while they're doing that, Danny's doing his fraud detection work on the casino floor when a former high school buddy of his reunites with him. Said buddy, despite being a local, turns out is on the property to visit none other than the Montecito Pool. Which is obvious by the fact that he is walking through the casino, not only in swimwear, but carrying his own towel. It's usually a telltale sign. Danny, of course, is somewhat perplexed of why would a local come stay at the hotel just to use the pool? Surely there are easier ways to do that. And he's right. He found a guy that will make up a fake key card for 20 bucks to get you into the pool. And those dumb fuckers from security here, they fall for it every time. They don't know a damn thing. But anyway, Danny, what are you up to? Danny realizing that uh, a grift is afoot and he should probably learn some more with quick, quick thinking makes up that he is uh, selling copiers and just happens to be suited up at a casino in the middle of the day for, you know, a, a copier conference. Yeah, that's it. It's the, the old Xerox convention, <laughs> you know, that probably does actually exist for sure exists. And it's for sure in Vegas. And it's for sure guys getting drunk and taking pictures of their dicks and photocopying them and faxing them and shit. Sounds about right. Have we ever seen Danny put things together on his feet as quickly as we did in this moment? Uh, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to think of one. Like, I know he was primed for the big, you know, fraud and theft bet that's going on. I almost called it a Godfrey's, which would be a hilarious. <laughs> guy. Yeah, we're a bunch of criminals. Uh, can we get the ballrooms? We're at a conference. Sure. Uh, FBI, this is the Montecito. Like to notify you of a convention we're hosting. We we actually got invited to that next year for to do a live version of our other podcast. I I, I actually thought we were going to get the keynote. We're just doing a live app now. Just a live app. All right. I think we're going to have to decline. Mm. I mean, it's Vegas, though. I, I want the prestige. I want that keynote. Keynote or get the fuck out. Fair enough. But no, this da Danny put on his crime fighting goggles very quickly and realized, oh, wait, I should let this go and let's see how high up we can get here. So while our resident dummy activated smart mode, our resident genius has activated complete dumb shit mode because Mike appears to have not moved from his perch at the coffee bar since last we saw him when he's approached by Mary and Delinda. And they're like, hey, we've heard about the wager. So uh, what are we doing here? Watching the jewelry store? And like Mike pauses for a second. He's like, yeah, I got a fucking bet. And you, you know, you used to fuck the guy I'm betting against. You're actively fucking him. And they're like, hey, sanctity of the bet in Vegas is paramount. What do you got? They're like, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the deal. You're right. Bullshit, bullshit. Statistics. This piece of real estate. Valentine's Day. Something, something. Anyway, this is where it's going to go down. Counselor, I will stipulate to all of that. <laughs> Why is he staking this out in person? He is doing what a surveillance camera does, but worse. Well, I, I think that that was part of the wager. It was the with your own two eyes. Now, 
Obviously, we see some folks using past video, uh, but but I believe the way they phrased it, you had to actually be down on the floor finding things to then back up with data. I don't. I, I'm with I, you. I'm with you. Don't do not think that I am arguing against you. I am trying to fit the logic all together. I'll I'll allow it because while I don't recall that, I have no reason to doubt you. That just seems like. What a bizarre approach to take. I mean, my motherfucker is going to sit there in the most conspicuous way possible, just staring at, via an oblique angle at one store. My yeah, it, it's to determine on. it's to determine who the best driver is. We're going to have a race, but on horses. <laughs> right. We're just going to remove the useful technology from the scenario. It, all, all because Ed is old, like. Come on, guys. I think you needed to push back a little bit on that. A lot of a lot of OK Boomer to this uh, wager. <laughs> yeah. But Mike's not the only one on a solo stakeout. We've got oiled up Danny lounging by the pool and he's on the lookout for some scammers. Maybe he's going to find one. Well, turns out a good place to start is the hot co-eds from the local college. Yeah. Why would the local college co-eds be at the pool? One would think that a college in Las Vegas 100% has a pool. This sets up an interesting moment for us because Danny, who no joke at this point, is looking fucking hot. He's got Man his looks good. shorts. He is ripped. I mean, he just did a like Josh did a bunch of like push up and crunches right before the camera rolled. He tactically dehydrated. <laughs> so, I mean, like my guys, my guys looking on point. Then when he rises, he's got some marks on the far side of the pool, stands up, drops his board shorts going down into his European banana hammock and does what I can only describe as wildly unnecessary stretching before a swan dive into the pool that features some healthy over rotation. Also, right in front of the sign on the side of the pool that says four and a half feet deep. Didn't seem like the best spot for that dive, my, my thought being. There were some extras in the background of this shot that were cackling. And I don't know if that was the direction, because that's what you would do if you saw this in real life. Or if this was just extras who were like, fuck it. Like, what are they going to do? Kick us out. But I I was them. They they is me. They are my spirit animals. It, it seemed like it's very possible that this was the ninth time they had seen Danny take that dive in. And they were just enjoying the show at this point. And it's almost a uncut uncensored show <laughs> yeah for somebody who seemed concerned about wearing daisy dukes to pay off a bet that that bathing suit was much shorter than any pair of daisy dukes has ever been in fairness i'm not sure if it would have been uncut but it for sure would have been uncensored <laughs> you don't know how many powers he has <laughs> i do not but it appears it works because danny's gonna swim his way over and charm up some ladies and turns out yeah it's real easy to get these cards and get this. Forget getting into the pool. This dude has keys that will get you into suites. You can throw a rager. You can drain the mini bar, have whatever kind of party you want, and then bail. And nobody knows. It's a hell of a deal. And while this is happening, Ed has zeroed in on the dealer's tip pool as the tree he's going to bark up. Which immediately I was like, that's absurd. Like, how are the economics? Like, what? What do you know, though? Last shift, he found out the pool was nine 
hundred dollars short. That's uh I don't know how much money they're pulling in, but that is a absurd amount. And I want us to remember that, folks. Nine hundred dollars. One shift. People are very generous during the day at the Montecito, apparently. Apparently. So to that end, he's going to hit the floor, talks to one of the pit bosses, and he learns that there's some some rousers of rabble. And there are these two guys who have been bitching in the break room, you know, fuck, you know, just pit bosses coming in, taking our shit and blah, blah, blah. And one of the old veterans is like, hey, fucking chillax. You're still making more than anywhere else in the strip you would. But like is at this point, the supposition is that the dealers who are unhappy about losing out on tips are just going to skim from the rest of their dealers, but do so loudly. Do they want to end up like Shooter McGavin in the desert? Yeah, I, I guess when they got shushed down by the old vets, they decided, OK, fine. You don't want me to be mad about this. I'm going to take matters in my own hands. I'm a I'm a quite quit before it's cool to do so. I, I guess. But but before he leaves, he's going to get to the real point of the matter, which is, hey, if you see either Danny or Mike coming near these tables, go ahead and remember who's taking care of you. Talk, call up your boy. Another thing I want to put a pin in, because later on, I want us, you and I to have a discussion about this. It's not going to be too much later. So listeners, you don't have to remember for too long, but I got questions. We got some we got an issue you and I might need to litigate. OK, OK. So content that his investigation is humming along nicely, Ed decides to make a detour by Danny's office. Ed sneaks up on him. And what is a just tremendous bit of unintentional physical comedy? This was pretty much Looney Tunes-esque is the only way to describe this. Hey, 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 hey. Don't even think about coming up here. Why? You want to something like covert or something? Yeah, yeah. as a matter of fact, I am. Bye-bye. He got the number from the cute girls at the pool finds out that the number of the guy running this whole bit is a young gentleman named Kenny Gans. Something about that name jumped out at me, and I could not, for the life of me, figure out why. It, just, it sounds like a fake name. It's like a, a, oh, look, here he comes. It's Johnny Smokes or some bullshit like that. Was there not like a, like a real world like something gams or something. I feel like there was like an act, like a lounge singer or something. Uh Oh, you're thinking of Kenny G? <laughs> no, though. Wild that Kenny G's actual last name was Gans <laughs> and that the saxophone didn't pay the bills. So he's hawking key cards at the Montecito. Why do you think he had to move to so many different hotels? Kept getting caught. There's something about this name. Listeners, if you have any idea what has caused me to go into this mental loop i've tried googling it i have no idea there's something about it that's just it's like name deja vu i don't know what it is but it's been driving me absolute. i was so confident that when we got to this you'd be like oh it's that and now that you didn't like now i am like back down into this mental death spiral all, all i can offer you right now is that you really should have gone with name javu but beyond that, I have, it's really good. Yeah, that is good. I like that a lot. But I got no help for you otherwise. I'm sorry. It just it sounds like a two bit, probably mafia family lackey name. Yeah. Anyway, Sam is giving Polly a glam up as step one in the 
Choho repo plan. <laughs> and we get the first glimpse into what Sam's cooking, which is, look, the plan is to make Choho jealous by having other men pursue you. Men can't handle that. Are you with me, Polly? D- no, don't know. Just get on the airplane. Don't yeah. Just shut up. Polly not particularly on board with the plan, but eh, free dress. So, yeah, sure. Let's go to L.A. And I'm not sure why Polly is so reluctant, because she was just going to cut bait on him and spend the next six months backpacking through men to find another boyfriend. Like what? I mean, OK, this to me seems like it's a free roll. We'll, we'll get some guys to hit on you and either it works with Joho or you just fuck those dudes. Yeah, it was funny having Polly go down Sam's hit list and be like, you're a slut. <laughs> when every interaction between Polly and Sam has been Polly sexing it up more than Sam. So Correct. that was a, a very amusing flip of the switch. If you had told me that we would go the entire episode with Polly and Sam in a rom-com subplot and not once was Polly going to suggest finger blasting Sam, I would have lost all of my space bucks. Oh, yeah. All of them. Would would have definitely pictured a Sam saying, is there, you know, what can I do to make this better so you get back to work? Polly going, well, <laughs> you've been a bad girl and I need to see you in my office, it turns out. I mean, I think if we had if we had realized what was going to go down, if we'd remembered, I think we would have tried to make the bet. Neither one of us would have wanted to take the other side. No chance. So we would have agreed on odds and then put up our space bucks against the house and we would both be sitting at zero space bucks. We'd be like, well, fuck us, I guess. It's been a fun game, but uh, everybody's broke. See you at home. Just like an actual trip to Vegas. Well, as as lame as Mike's plan seems, it may be paying off because on his seventh cup of coffee, we see a real skeezy looking dude in his shades walking around casing the jewelry store. Do not envy the maintenance crew that has to deal with the men's room that Mike's been blowing up after seven cups of coffee. That's it's going to be some foul shit, literally. Mm, yeah, not a not a good time for anybody involved there. And speaking of bad times, Mary continues striking out at the sales table and Big Ed still riding high on the hog, thinking he's got this bet sewn up, swings by to give her a lesson on how to be a carnival barker. Yeah, Ed is going to, again, leaning real strong into the Ed is a billion years old vibes this episode. Ed says, nah, you can't just sit back here waiting for them to come to you. Nah, you got to go up to get them. But still seeming hard to get in both terrible dating advice and sales advice from all Ed here. But uh, apparently it's going to work because he's going to find a couple and say, oh, you know, you two. Now we're looking for, for some feedback from only our most discerning, intelligent of guests. Why don't you come up to the residential suite? Just tell us what you think. We, you know, we're not going to push the sale on you. Maybe take a look. See what you think. Give us some pointers. We'll even throw in some buffet coupons for you just to sweeten the deal. I, I could go out on a, like a fucking nine minute rant about how exclusivity and discerning customers is incongruent with buffet comps. <laughs> but I'll have that side for a second. And instead, I want to focus on the fact that he's harping to Mary on exclusivity being one of the key tenets of this. Motherfuckers, you're down to one residence. It is intrinsically exclusive. Why are they so thirsty to make this sale? Leave it on the books. Yeah, leave Raise it on the, the books. Yeah, this. Poor, yeah, I mean, you know, housing market 
was not in great shape around that time, I guess. I don't know. But it it seems like they have figured know, it out real well. Down house in Henderson just sold last week for fucking 60 percent over the investment. Uh, no, uh, that that was internal deal. That one didn't hit the Zillow page. I'm just saying Mary knows Mary was a part of that private party transaction. She's she's seen the cops. Yeah, the uh, look, this was not a great Mary subplot, but it's not as offensive as many Mary subplots are. So we're not going to hit the button. No. And and I think Mary, even in in my head canon, not to be confused with the mic canon. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was pulling the string back yeah. on that one. Uh, I don't think this is Mary's idea. I right. think obviously Mary got told to do it, but. I, if Ed, it's like for me, this the the blame stops with Ed on this one. Ed's like, we need to harp on the exclusivity. Then take down the fucking sales table. Yeah, I let's put it this way. Ed is not winning himself a brand new Cadillac Eldorado anytime soon. Third prize is your fight. So casual awkward Danny shows up at Kenny's place to buy some key cards. But the door's answered by a woman who's just very interested in fucking Danny. And I know Danny's got Delinda at home, but he shows absolutely no hint of being interested. Refuse to believe that this 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 woman is an absolute smoke show. Yeah, I don't I don't know if if Josh had felt somewhat left out lately or what, but he definitely turned up the every woman anywhere near me is going to be extremely horny for me in this episode. Yeah, that shit was at 11. That's a superpower. We would all do well to have a little bit of because no doubt shit. And he is so hot that despite him not following call ahead protocol, she's willing to sell Danny three cards for 50. And he presses his luck. He's like, yeah, but I hear about the party rooms. Can I get a party room key? And because he knows Jenny from the block, Mr. Woman's like, yeah, okay, I can green like that. But here's the deal. I won't have the numbers till later because, you know, plot plot device. So why don't you write your number on my tits and I'll call you when I have a room assignment for you, huh? Fun for Danny, but that seems like a really inconvenient way to get someone's number. Because, like, you right? try and look at it in a mirror, it's going to be reversed, and you got to, like, read it backwards, and you can't really just, like, look down. And, uh, and you're, really you're like going to have to go back in and be like, hey, Kenny, can you read my tit for me? I've got a number on it from a guy. He's going to be like, was that his idea or your idea? And in the moment, you'll probably be like, his? He's like, cool, then no. Well, okay, it was mostly my idea. Okay, well, then still no. Yeah, still hard no. I think it'd be pretty soft at that point. Hey-oh. We see the first, well, I guess the second of Mystery Staff Returns when Ed goes to Shannon, our erstwhile, not actually FBI agent, FBI agent in security. Slash CIA, NSA, geospatial, oops, could say. We we had her pegged for at least one of those alphabets, but no, it turns out she's either playing the long con or just works with the Montecito. And well, she they, they is, couldn't extract her right away. <laughs> They're like, well, that backfired. We are going to need you to hang out for eight months, though. Got to got to get that real deep undercover action. But and now uh, she's she, like, well, shit, Montecito's got a great pension. Maybe I just stick it out for my 20 years. Yeah, I don't know. And and she's taken to it long enough that she respects the sanctity of the bet. She's not giving Ed shit, even as he tries to needle her for it. But no dice. 
But he is going to get her to go ahead and run all of the security footage of the two angry dealers and go ahead and analyze that for him. He's got some other business to take care of. Yeah, so he dragoons her onto his team. And then the very next moment, Danny's co-opted Delinda to join his team and help with the staying operation on the key cards. So we have repeated attempts to thwart the sanctity of the bet by the participants. We have the participants actively courting accomplices and turfing off responsibility to them. I'm forced to ask, are the good guys the villains? Uh, See, the terms of engagement were set. There was nothing that said you can't find out what I'm up to. It's just who does the best job, who thwarts the most. Thwart, however you may, on the premises. Now note, Danny had to make the catch at the hotel. Taking out Kenny Gans didn't do him any good. I, and, and all that's fine. I guess what I'm what I'm concerned about is not the letter of the law, because I agree with you. Unbroken. Everyone's in the clear. But I believe the spirit of the bet is being violated. And I point to the fact that everyone who is attempting to get pumped for information is like, fuck you. This is Vegas. Bets are sacred. And our three guys are like, yeah, OK, sure. But like. I is, think is this, is this if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying or is this like are, they, are these guys going to get a bad reputation? Not nah, for me. It's the former. It's it's okay. the if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I, w- I take more issue with co-opting Shannon and Delinda into the bet because it was supposed to be who does it on their own. Danny, I think having the lack of self-respect to wear that shirt out in public does enough to absolve him of sin because how could he be judged for anything beyond that goddamn shirt? Holy shit. You know, Delinda bought that for him. <laughs> 100%. Like, his style we saw earlier with the Royal Guard t-shirt and board shorts. Yeah. This is Surfer Danny is his vibe. This is Nightclub Danny, which is her vibe. Uh, it was hilariously bad. But uh, no, I, I'm going to allow it. Fair play. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Sam and Polly hit a karaoke bar in L.A. where a man who were initially led to believe his choho is leading the crown in a stirring rendition of whoop. There it is. Just killing it. What? A, I mean, not what I often think of as being a good karaoke song, but a lot of opportunity for crowd participation on the chorus. Yeah, I don't think it is a good karaoke song, but the chorus is going to make people happy. Yeah. And he comes over and begins professing his love for Polly. And Sam's like, oh, this is great. Mission accomplished. Return to base. And Paul's like, no, you idiot. This is Junho, Choho's brother. Whoopsies. Why wasn't this a record scratch moment for Polly? <laughs> like, oh, my just ex-boyfriend's brother wants to blast me. I, I kind of got the vibe that that has always been how that goes between them. Yeah. Because she is not phased at all by this profession of love. So I think it's just, oh, yeah, it's his horny little brother. As one as one has from time to time. And also, as we'll see later, Chunho, much more attractive than Choho. Oh, yeah. Polly, Polly should be like, oh, Choho's training down for the new model in L.A.? Me too. Yeah, bet. Sounds like a plan. Two for one deal. Everyone's a winner. We quickly see Danny and Delinda secret passcode their way into the sweet party, only to go back to Mary and Mike at the coffee shop and... Uh-oh. But real quick, this suite is fucking jammed full of people. 
How did all those people entering the suite escape the detection of the hallway cameras? You would think at some point, if anyone is doing their job, they're going to be like, huh, that does seem like the 45th person to go into that room. That seems like a lot. No noise complaints from an empty room. Like the smoke detectors aren't going off. Nothing. Yeah, it's I I think that's this is going to be one of those where we can't look too closely at it for lack of passing inspection. And, And I will I will do my part. Is to not ruin the magic for our listeners. But I want those of you out there who enjoy a little bit of pedantry to know I'm with you. This is bullshit. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Am I wrong? You're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. Okay, then. But our, our skeezy dude is back for the third time. And Mike is like, okay, let's go take a closer look, Mary. Let's play sweet couple. Walk by, see what this guy's up to. And, before, and I guess that completely invalidates the earlier debate. Yeah, now everybody's they're, they're each guilty. Yeah, we, we've gone to a three way tag match. Correct. Offsetting penalties. <laughs> Replay the down. But before they can even get close enough to hear what this guy might be up to, he excitedly turns to them and goes, oh, look at this beautiful couple. You can help me out. I'm so scared. There's so many shiny things, and I love this girl very much, and I want to propose, but it's scary in there. Everything's so shiny and expensive. Help me, please. This absent, which I know you'll disagree with, but absent animal abuse. This is the saddest thing imaginable. (laughs) What? Why is this happening? Why is this guy? He's been pacing outside a jewelry store for a week, and he needs this random couple to gas up. What? Like it, what? it doesn't reach it until a little bit later when we see the like really tiny shitty ring that he picks out. Oh, and I have notes <laughs> on that as well. Don't you worry. <laughs> but just this idea that like he needed the liquid courage of these randos to help him get in. the You literally Why do not have any friend moment in the jewelry store. And some hot chick behind the glass counter was like, oh, I'm going to go talk to that sad sack of shit and get him in here. He, he looks like an easy mark. Just the absolute saddest thing I could possibly imagine on the show. It was uh, it was pretty rough, but Mike is feeling a whole lot worse because he put all of his eggs in this basket and the basket has broke. Back in L.A., it turns out our boy Choho prefers the driving range to the karaoke bar, and he's working on his iron game with a couple of adoring women that are looking on. And before we get into the rest of the scene, I have to stop to say, why would they be there? This is... This isn't top golf. This is a nice, but otherwise regular ass driving range. Yeah. Uh, You know, they've got drinks there. Top golf was not really that much of a thing in those days. They got a bar there. They're having a good time. But Choho is not thrilled to see Polly there. He's super not thrilled to see his brother there. But Sam tagged it. And I got this. She's like, hey, great work on your uh, your iron game here. Tell you what I'll do. If you make amends with Polly, I'll get you a tea time with Tiger. And look, this is late 06, early 07. Was being fil- that is a peak primo t- ticket. Yeah. Trade worth making for all involved. But he says, Joe says, no, uh, actually, Polly's looking a lot like you and you look like a cheap hooker, which I guess is his way of saying no, thank you to the opportunity to play golf with Tiger Woods. I guess. I, I mean, if anyone would not appreciate that, it's Tiger. As being the reason. I mean, 
look, I understand Choho wants to trade into a newer model. He's a piece of shit. Why not just be a little bit more of a piece of shit and be like, yeah, okay, Polly, I'm so sorry. Will you take me back? Great. Play golf with Tiger next week and be like, JK deuces again. Yeah. All right. I'm over it. Back to LA. Bye. <laughs> I just, I refuse to believe that Choho's not like, yeah, okay. We can do the math on that one. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, I lose, at least these lose these two women. That's fine. They're a dime a dozen. Uh, I probably got to fuck Polly, who he's apparently no longer interested in once or twice more. Whatever. Golf with Tiger Woods and I'm out. No brainer. Choho, you fucked up. Poor, poor work by by this guy. Not not if a Tiger will fuck a Shoney waitress. You could fuck Polly. Exactly. Well, some people that definitely would not have a problem with fucking somebody at random is everybody in this sweet party because it is popping off. We got people fucking on the couch. We're smoking. We're drinking. Everyone's loving life. We got the 1AM visualizer going in the background. Hell yeah. (laughs) That's how you know it's a party. That that was like the peak. Oh, man. You want to know what time of of the world you're in you're at a party where they put up on the tv the fucking winamp visualizer let's go the only way this is better is if in the extended scene we see him alt tab to napster to download another cd yo what was the wi-fi again my lime wire is not working right now i need to switch uh i need to switch mac ids i think i just got blocked out anyone got kazaa <laughs> but yeah it, <clears throat> this this raucous party's going on and Danny almost blows up his spot by commenting to the woman from earlier who now is blazing on a joint. Uh, isn't this a, a non-smoking room? <laughs> who cares? Danny. Danny. Absolute fucking square. He is, he is a fucking square. He is as Boy Scout as Boy Scout gets. But, you know. Jesus Christ. He's, he's here to party, though, because he wants one of those private rooms. How does he get one of those keys? And the girl's like, hey, 100 bucks, done. And it's like, great. Oh, yeah. Since I'm here, can I uh, get a little face to face with old Ken? Nah, no dice. He doesn't talk to dudes. And in once again, record time, Delinda snatches the C note out of Danny's hand is like, cool. Bet I'll talk to me. Yeah. She bailed him out of the non-smoking room thing by shifting the conversation back to the party suite. And now this Delinda MVP of the sting. I mean, People are working at a high efficiency and you love to see it. So there's no two ways about this. Mary and Mike have helped our guy buy an extremely modest ring. And look, that's not a knock on that. Our guy can only afford what he can afford. No shame. Truly. There's no bit here. There's no joke. My note, though. (laughs) Why is he buying this from a luxury Vegas property? Gotta think he could get better prices somewhere else. He paid like the 4X fuck you price of, oh, did you just win 15 grand at a craps game and now you want to buy something for your partner? Sure. Have an $800 ring for five grand. Yeah. Buddy. He says he's been here a week. So I'm thinking he's a local because if you're at the Montecito for a week, you can afford casing a jewelry store. Yeah. Like that rock's going to be a little bigger. Yeah, it's bad. Come on, guy. It's bad. It's bad. It's all bad. And how did Mary and Mike let him do it? Especially Mary. Mike doesn't give a shit. Mary, though. Yeah, I was going to say Mike doesn't give a shit. And maybe Mary was in one of her jaded moods. There's no way. Mary does not see true love and stay jaded. 
Not in her DNA. They nope. hadn't they hadn't even seen the fo- the terrible 200 KB photo of the fiance or soon to be fiance on the flip phone yet. They 100 percent have. No, he shows it to her at the table right there. I don't I don't believe that they go <laughs> ring shopping and Mary's not asked for pics. Nope, 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 nope. Fair. But while this is going down, Mike pops up to the coffee bar to get there to go caffeine, pays Betty in cash and notices that she doesn't ring up the order and instead just pockets the cash. Not Betty, not our long running favorite character of the always seen coffee shop. Why would this dumb woman do this with the security guy right there? Just bad. Just just dumb, dumb and bad. And also, look, the MacGuffin that started this entire episode down this track was the shrinkage report generated by accounting. Why is it the coffee shop on there? We have unexplained losses every day since this fucking store opened. Well... Uh, we'll we'll get to that in just a moment. We we do have an explanation for that. But first, uh, I don't I don't think the, I don't think the explanation checks how you think it does. We'll see. Before we get there, we've got a secret backroom meeting with Delinda, the girl, and old Kenny. And Kenny's click clacking away on his laptop. He's got his hotel key card writer thingy right there, and he's pumping out keys. Here you go, Delinda. Here's your key. Up. Oh. First, you two got a kiss and he's not going to get a kiss as much as Delinda aggressively licking this woman's face. That was so bizarre. I mean, good read of the room on Delinda's part because it earns her the free key card instead of paying the hundo. But also, why did they want the meeting with Kenny? To ID the guy or hopefully figure out how he did it. I don't know. (sighs) Like, it seems like no actual intel came out of that other than she licked this chick's neck. Yeah. I mean, you had to figure he had some kind of a hotel key reader. So right. you probably could have assumed that part of it. I, you like, know, I don't know. Now that you know the suite, check the hallway tapes and look for the guy carrying a suitcase of equipment out of into and out of the room. You know, I think Delinda's crime fighting technique is great. I don't think we need to off. We don't we don't need to argue about it anymore. She's she's on point. You lick a few faces, you get a few answers. Everyone's a winner. And I think even more than the looking Rando chick was here for the hair pulling. She was very into it. She she did not want Delinda to leave. She was or or at least she wanted to come with her to the new suite. Like, hey, any chance I could go have a threesome with you and that hot guy you're with? In fact, shocked we didn't get the ask. I am too, actually, as as forwardly horny as she had been the whole episode. And probably because the writer's room is like, how do we write this to a no? Because, you know, Delinda's in. Yeah. And and I don't think Danny's turning that down. Right. And so like, OK, well, no. So so Delinda's in brings it back to Danny and Danny's like, well, yeah, but not tonight. We're trying to bust them right now. Man, you don't you don't need your car wash that bad. You could you could take the uh, you could take the bus for that. I, I wouldn't put that on the bet, but for that threesome, all right, get me my fucking metro card. Let's go. So for that threesome, now keep in mind, in this hypothetical, you're already already banging Delinda, right? So you're adding this chick, correct? And you've got to take the bus for a month and wash Sam's car and Daisy Dukes. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna Still take it? we're gonna take that bet. <laughs> okay. You're going to take that L, huh? I, I think I think that uh, I don't think it's an L. 
I think it's I think it's a costly <laughs> W. The whole Pyrrhic threesome. Mike heads back to the surveillance room to run the tapes on Betty, but not without trying to pump Mitch for some intel. Apparently it's old home week here in Las Vegas. And Mitch just scoffs. Doesn't even dignify it with a response. And look, this is where I say at this point, everyone has tried to undermine the validity of the bet in some key way. I think these fuckers are getting a bad rap around the resort. I think there's going to be some water cooler talk about, can you believe these motherfuckers? You've got Big Ed, the legend, Vegas local Danny, and we all understand MIT not being clued in. Right. But like, those are some two luminaries of Neon City who are completely torpedoing the moral and ethical high road here. You don't win bets on the high road. Apparently not. (laughs) But while he's not going to get any information, he is going to get extremely quick video pulled up of past transactions done at the coffee shop where Betty rings up a no sale and pockets some cash. And because it was a no sale, the register never comes up short. So therefore it's not in the shrinkage. However, however, this is not where I think it comes apart. Wait until we get to the settling of the bet. And that, my friend, is where I will finish sinking your ship. Fair enough. Sh- ships are made to be sank, as they say. As they say. So Danny and Delinda check out the suite that Kenny promised them. Sure enough, an empty, freshly house-kept room. And like, well, fuck, I guess we've got some inside operative here that's cluing them in on this. But Delinda never wanted to let a good hotel room go to waste, says, hey, why don't we make more work for housekeeping and go ahead and fuck on this bed real quick? Okie dokie. Yeah, uh, you make a compelling offer. We got we got to sell the bit. Well, and, you know, Delinda got the key card for free. So hopefully they just take that hundred and slap it down on the credenza for housekeeping. <laughs> but here's the thing. So I'll be the first to admit I have never worked housekeeping for a major Las Vegas resort. Okay. I do not know how this works. But I feel like if I like, all right, room 1053 has been cleaned and I mark it cleaned on my little clipboard and I report back to my boss that it's been cleaned and then no one stays in it. And then the next night they assign it to someone. I'm not going to go re-clean it. Yeah. So why isn't there a rash of people checking into rooms and being like, oh, my God, it's filthy in here. And is this semen on my bed? Well, I... I think we may get a little bit of an answer when we hash out the bet. Right. But why aren't they already aware that it's happened? I I agree. Again, there's there's a hole here which perhaps could have been filled better. I, I need to treat this episode like an eclipse. It's very fun. Just don't look directly at it. I, I mean, what, one might argue that's how you should treat the entirety of the show. Up in the Cooper suite, it's the next morning and Mary and Ed are hanging out in the last remaining residence and their little timeshare ass Mark knocks on the door at exactly today. I'm suggesting to Ed. They're very interested. A guy don't walk on the lot lest he wants to buy. So Mary, you should go open the door and then kick back and watch the maestro work. I will take it from there. Whoopsies. The couple's there. Great news. However, a stampede of seven goddamn monsters rolls through And the couple's like, yo, about those buffet comps. Thank you. Kids, we'll be back in an hour. Have fun. Thanks. Bye. And just bits. Not only the fucking shutspell of those two to think that's how that was supposed to go. 
but then Mary takes her life into her own hands when she holds Ed to his promise to take it from there and skedaddles out of there. I'm shocked she didn't catch a 45 round of the back of the dome. Amazing, amazing work by Mary here. The just, I mean, you said you got it from here. So, uh, yeah, bye. Good luck. Have fun. Yeah. And she takes her stress about not being able to sell this unit to Delinda, who reminds her like, hey, listen, we have to give Mystique a facelift every 18 months. People want fresh. They want exciting. They want exclusive. And Mary's runoff. Okay, well. I must have nailed it. Got it again. Delinda wins. And then immediately the babysitting's over because Delinda is up in Ed's office at Treasure Island where he's got a blackjack table set up. He's transformed into dealer garb and he invites her to sit at first base, which she does so very skeptically. And he explains, look, I'm trying to gain something out. You're going to play a hand. You're going to win. And then I want you to tip me money. It's been a while since we've had some pedantry corner. So this is a little... A little pedantry micro dosing just to get you where you need to be on your day. Okay. Delinda gets a 12 against Big Ed's too. Doesn't know what to do. Ed's like, it doesn't matter. This is a fake game. First of all, Ed, it always matters. There's no point in getting reps if they're not good reps. And look, 12 against a two, that's a tweener. I, for one, I don't care what you do. Some people are like, it doesn't matter. Stay consistent. I also think that's bullshit. Listen to your heart. That's fine. I refuse to believe that risk taking to Linda takes the easy way out here. That is bonkers. My girl hits fucking 16s against a two. I I completely agree with that. I'm also unable to get past the old song. Listen to your heart. But when it's 12 versus two, <laughs> that's all I've had in my head for the last 20 seconds. So I apologize for that. But here's the third thing. There is no fucking chance in hell that Big Ed didn't have Delinda drilled into blackjack theory from the time she was three years old. So anyway, she stands fine. It kind of works out for her because his two, he flips over a 10, another face guard. He busts the 22. You might be thinking, why did I say it kind of works? She didn't bet. (laughs) So she didn't win anything, which is fine. It's a fake game. So why even play the hand? (laughs) Really could have just handed the chip. Yes. Yes. Could have gone straight to the pretend you just won and tip me. (laughs) It's totally bonkers. It's what would have been funny. And I know it wouldn't have worked for pacing because it's a television show back when, you know, they're right into 42 page. Like you can't dick her out. (laughs) It'd be great if he was like, fuck. Okay, start again. This time, actually bet. Now, the second inch she loses, he's like, ah, okay, do it again. Yeah, dealer then goes on a hot streak for like six hands. We actually cut away. We come back. He's like doing the whole like, check change 10,000. <laughs> the Linda visibly pissed. Because like, she won't let it go. She has to win. That she wins, but doesn't tip. And Ed's like, you're supposed to tip me. And she's like, you've been kicking my ass for 45 minutes. You think I'm going to tip you after one win? <laughs> Anyway, so Delinda tips him a $100 trip, picks it up, appears to drop it in the toke box, but oh, ho, ho, Merry Christmas! Instead, he's done some sleight of hand and has dropped a mere dollar coin into the box instead. I did enjoy the sleight of hand fun between Ed and Delinda. That was an amusing bit, but uh, okay. You know, we we see that when, if you got somebody at first day, first base, the camera behind him gets kind of blocked. So it's real easy to pull a fast one. It even seems like there's something still more complicated afoot because Ed goes back to the pit boss from earlier 
And he asks not just about the two guys who were throwing a tipper tantrum earlier, but also the veteran that calmed them down. So that was sort of an interesting like, hmm, where uh, where are we going with this, Big Ed? What's the uh, what's the play? Turns out we'll have to wait to find the end of Ed's story. But Mike's is coming to a close as he heads back to the coffee shop and tells Betty that they need to uh, take a little walk. Never a good time when security says it's time for a walk. No, you don't want to take that stroll. But Danny and Delinda have what they think is the answer to the key card shenanigans because rooms aren't available from Kenny G until five o'clock. But at 430, the room assignment supervisor, just a completely bullshit title. Uh, that guy clocks in, presumably observe which rooms are and will remain vacant. And since this guy the list, Delinda thinks that guy's creepy to begin with. And so she's like, hey, I'll fucking take this guy down. He's like, yeah, I mean, if you think you can. She's like, oh, yeah. Oh, baby. Let me at him. Delinda is primed and ready for this mission. Well, Ed calls up Alan. Alan is our friendly old peacekeeping dealer who just wants the young bucks to go along and get along. But it turns out it's not because he doesn't want the boat rocked. It's because his own ship is nice and steady because he's the one who's been pocketing the tips. And Ed's got the video evidence that apparently shows him pocketing around $30,000 over the year. And Ed realizes, nah, you just didn't want to start shit because you didn't want your little game getting messed up here. And uh, got some other folks who may not like it, hits the button on the door and 20 other employees who were part of that tip pool that he's been robbing stroll on in for a little uh, confrontation. It's a real testament to Ed's moral fiber that he has the reverse Matt Lauer button. Yeah. Uh, so this 30 grand seems like a lot, but I want to reference back to the fact that in one shift, this motherfucker took $900. Assuming that's just kind of your guard variety haul. He's only done this like 30 to 35 times. Or there's a lot of video missing. <laughs> what the fuck? That seems like a way low number. Yeah, especially if he's that good at it. He could have been pulling this off a lot more. And the easy thing was to not make it 900 bones. Like the tip pool was a buck 60 short. Yeah. 85 short. Like, that, you know, we didn't need to make it crazy. But speaking of crazy, Betty has a real sob story that she's going to dump on old Mike. Would you believe that every dime she's taken has gone to charity? Oh, that seems totally legit. The fact that Mike doesn't laugh her off the casino floor straight away is a real demerit in my book because like she will then explain that it's because after her husband died she couldn't afford to keep up the donations to his favorite charity and she was so sad at the prospect of the kids being hungry and blah 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 that she started siphoning money from the coffee shop but come on every dime mike's a fucking schmuck that's that's all there is to it it just so happens she only takes that $50 a day to give to the kids first Las Vegas or whatever. Yeah. So Mike's built himself a fucking quandary here that he's going to have to hmm, his way out of, which is, I suspect, going to be the topic of much conversation later in this episode. Listeners, you will be shocked to hear our reaction to how this plays out, I'm sure. Charity thieves hate this one trick. <laughs> Mary goes up to a very distracted Ed who is watching Mike shake down Betty for information 
and she says, I'm, I'm done with your old boomer ass marketing. It sucks. We need an air of exclusivity. We got to do a new plan. I got it. I'm going to get John Legend, musician extraordinaire, to come play a private invite only show just for potential buyers. What do you say? And Ed's paying. I say we can't afford him. Yeah. Well, it turns out we just have to cut him in on the deal. Don't worry about the specifics or how big of a cut or anything like that. It turns out out John's going to get 20% somehow. I mean, Mr. Teagan could be taking them to the fucking cleaners here. And Big Ed's like, yeah, all right, whatever. That's fine. I got this bet to win. I really want to see them ride the bus. And I really want to not park on the top floor of the employee parking garage. Mary smartly doesn't ask for a third yes and just takes the win and leaves. And Ed goes back to his terrible spying. Yeah. Once you get the answer you want in the conversation, click. Bye. Thankfully, it's time for some good spy work as Delinda's going to roll into old Craig's office and pretend to be. Oh, I just want to get this upgrade for a friend. No, no, no. For one of her really good clients. Oh, what client. fucking clients does she have? What? Ex- excellent question. Uh, you know, she sometimes dabbles in hosting. Question mark. They give Craig the worst stutter of all time, really setting this dude up to be the biggest weeb possible. And Delinda says, yeah, but here's the thing. I already know. You're full of shit. I know about the scam. I want in. And just so happens to be wearing a Mission Impossible-esque flower brooch pin camera. When she says she wants in on the scam, she cites how little she m- money she makes. She's the director of food and beverage. Again. How dumb does fucking Craig have to be? Again, everybody knows everything about everyone else in this fucking hotel. There's no doubt that this dude knows that Delinda's on at least 4x his money. Yeah, motherfucker, you're in the employee stock option pool. I don't want to hear your fucking sob story. And look, she didn't need to say that. She could have just been like, hey, I'm a greedy. I'm going to get mine. And if you don't, I'm going to cut your balls off. By feeding you to my dad. So break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Scan, scan, please. Yeah. And Craig relents all on camera. He's done for. So it's time to resolve the bet. Big Ed has booked $29,800 of detected fraud in the form of the tip pool. The guys push back that it's not really theft, but they fold the right as righteous indignation. Like, hey, we said fraud. This is fraud. And I just put three stacks of high side on the board. So suck it. What do you get, Idiot Scott? You know, a, a a very reasonable objection by the other two, but I think Ed hit again. The bet was the bet. They could have specified better. They didn't. That's their own fault. And they've look. They've put the objection on record for the appeal. They don't make the mistake of strenuously objecting. Right. Got to say. Got to say that bullet. But Danny also is happy to relent because, huh? Twenty nine eight, huh? That's cute. I found this whole deal about scamming rooms and Mike wisely says, well, we weren't using the room. So what's the loss? Uh, Danny says just the cost of the stuff pilfered from the mini bar and the overtime to pay the maids to clean it, which I think is where we get back to what we were talking about earlier. Right. We've run up to thirty two five. Suck it. How psychotic was that too? that Danny drew the second one? Yeah, because he starts the two that's actually three, but the second two is what up. 
work of a fucking serial killer. Yeah, that that was Josh having to just do that bit with the two turning into a three and then his mind forgetting how to actually do it too. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Or it's just like simply, I think the, the act, like if you ever had to like write on something in like a public speaking engagement and you realize like I've written on whiteboards my entire life, but now like, when the lights are on, this is the most important writing on a whiteboard I'll ever do. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. But then the boys turn to Mike, who is sitting on a report from operations that very clearly says at the top total loss, 40 grand, which was the wild ass guess that Mike tossed out from earlier. But humorously, if you pause it and look, the summary of the letter says the discrepancies in inventory and sales receipts Mm. was 48,000. And they had a detailed security tape breakdown. So two notes. One, why not go with the 48? That's a better number. And two, why wasn't this showing up in the shrinkage report? It was like, shit, we're like fucking eight cups are gone a day and we're pouring too much coffee. And like, I don't know. I know spills happen, but you shouldn't be losing that many cups. But because Mike doesn't want to get old Betty Boop in trouble, he denies having got anything and serial killer Danny wins the bet. Fucking Mike. And this fucking idiot is going to get a report from Sarasvati, who's back, by the way. Hey, our third return of the episode. (laughs) And Sarasvati says, hey, weird things happening at the coffee shop. Last shift, the register was over by exactly $50. So Mike turns around, smiles knowingly at Betty, who he's obviously decided to let off the hook, and they both act like everything's fine. Sarasvati is going to burn this place down when every shift that Betty works is over $50. That is just as much. So my accountant is a fraternity brother of mine. And one year, to be an asshole, I underpaid him by a penny because I knew he was an accountant and he would drive him crazy. And it did for years. (laughs) So finally, I got an invoice where he'd written it off as bad debt. So the next year, I overpaid him by a penny. You're a monster. You're such a bad person. Obvious outcome is obvious. Sarasvati is going to lose her mind. And it's going to, I mean, this is going to go on for a while. 50 bucks a day. It's going to take you a minute to get that 40K. 800 days. (laughs) And like, Betty's going to get caught. They're going to be like, it only happens when Betty's working. And then she's going to roll over on Mike and they're going to be like, hey, Mike, buddy. What? What happened? You don't get to give people passes. Big Ed gets to give people passes. Yeah. Not you. Michael, Michael, Michael. But at least Sarah's, uh, you know, Sarah's body always on the wheel. Doesn't miss a thing. No. Well, and, except well, for the other stuff. Except for the prior four years. Yeah. <laughs> and all the maintenance and minibar overages. And she what she wouldn't here for any of that. She'd she just fucked uh, the thunder from down under and <laughs> could not be bothered to check the shrinkage report because she knew there was no shrinkage there. Hey, yo. Yeah, shit. That was the last time we saw her, wasn't it? it was the bachelor yes. party. Her OBGYN finally released her to walk again. <laughs> <laughs> She's still having to wear adult diapers, though. Right now, I'm going to explode. Mary's up in the suite introducing John Legend. Polly and Sam are there. Everybody's happy, except for Sam asking about who won the bet. And Mary lets her know who pulled that off. And well, it's going to be costume time for old Samantha Jane. But not without her 
good friend, the musical Denouement. And oh shit, John Legend's gonna dedicate his first song to Pauly. Suck it, Troho, who obviously happens to be here with his brother, but wants to dance with Polly because Sam was up to some bullshit, had the brother as a plant to get Choho motivated by jealousy, which means did Choho not previously act the role of super horny younger brother, or was he always that way? And then just decide to fall crank it to 11. Uh, yeah, I, you know, again, I was just like, whatever, that's fine. But look, Polly, run, don't walk from this piece of shit. Oh, yeah, he's this guy sucks. Dude. This guy's bad. He's not he's not a good dude, but he's got those magic fingers. And so they're dancing. They're happy. Everyone's a winner. And the only thing better than a musical denouement is a musical montage. So we get some lovely wipe shots of the strip and we see Big Ed sadly driving up a parking garage and driving up a parking garage <laughs> and about to drive up some more when we cut back to his parking spot occupied by Bumblebee and Samantha walks up not in a Playboy bunny costume but not in a costume I would be sad about seeing her in. It is the Halloween costume for sexy Easter bunny. Correct. That is the exact very, way to describe very form it. form-fitting. Yes. And we get a fun bit with her trying to climb up on the car and it all sorts of fun. And then we continue our montage with Sad Mike on the bus, sitting next to someone with stinky food. And I hope that same son of a bitch is there every single day with worse and worse smelling shit. <laughs> you absolute goddamn schmuck. <laughs> well, well, I know how you feel about Mike, but how did you feel about the episode? Oh, well, we got to finish oh. out the montage correctly. With Ed going farther up the parking garage <laughs> because they have a 37 story parking garage, apparently. And Ed finally finds the second spot at the end open that he can just barely squeeze it Aston Martin into. But there's not enough room for opening the door. Womp womp. I'm not so sure, Ed. I think if I were you, I might have had a driver take me to work. <laughs> My guy hit hit the valet. Yeah. Although I guess the bet is he had to park in the unreserved part of the employee garage. And and he is honoring the wager. I would like to see him realize what he's done, back out, go home, rent a beater and drive that to work from now on. Though. Yeah. When he shows up at a 1991 Honda Accord for the rest of the month. Correct. Well, so we know that Ed didn't like his parking spot. Nice. But did you like the episode? I did. This was a good one, I thought. How about you? Very fun. Uh, obviously some plot holes, but this is another double up the middle casino heavy app. Those are always my favorite. Um, and it was just a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it was great. We got nice TNA gambling action. Hijinks. No, I mean, no real like unbearable side plots. Yeah, it's it, great. Th this is what I feel like we both come to the show for. Correct. We thought they made the entire airplane out of episodes like this. Yes. The the sort of episode of the week. Let's have some shenanigans. Sometimes that's all you need. But as we shift our focus to the chip lead, it's, it's not going to be so universally rosy. Mm -mm. As a reminder, Sam is on a back to back to back. Tom Amansky. Followed by Mary, then Mike, then Delinda, Chasm Numero Uno, Ed, 
Chasm Numero Dos, and Danny. And if you'll recall, tight grouping at the top, but then it sort of falls off. I've got Sam, Mary, Delinda, and Danny gaining chips. I've got Ed losing some and Mike losing a lot. I concur. So what I want to throw out there, I think Sam is going on the quad, Pete. I cannot think of anyone that did anything nearly enough to top Sam. Mary, I thought, did well, but I mean, she's picking up a little bit, not a ton. Yeah, she didn't have a ton of action. I I think she she solidified her positive status when she noped out on Ed and the ruffians. Well, and then the John Legend concert, like she got she's clearing the deck on that. So, yeah, Uh, I have Delinda moving from fourth to third. I think she's moving up. She's done not enough to catch Mary. I could make an argument she's done enough to catch Mary, but I I think I think where she is is fine. But question is, does Mike fall to four or does he fall past the chasm? Zuh. <laughs> Get his ass. So I actually I had Danny jumping chasm two. So chasm two falls off, mm-hmm. but not enough for Danny to get out of last. So I was going to put out there Delinda, chasm, Mike, Ed, Danny. I see. I think that Danny a had a pretty flawless episode here. Yeah. Ed, he, he directly beat both Ed and Mike. And so I would have him at the very least ahead of both Mike and Ed. Well, Mike was third. Ed was sixth. Danny was eighth. Yeah, was the dual chasms. chasm. Yeah, the, the, it's the second. Danny had a really bad app. Yeah, it's it's that second chasm that's tricky. I just Mike had a really bad app. I could see it going chasm Mike Danny Ed, but at the end of the day, it's Mike's just got to take the bus for a month. He's not like right out personal money now. If Sarah's body fucking has her way, Mike's going to be on the unemployment line. But based on what we see. Also, I, I think that you're correct. You mentioning that does bring to mind that obviously the thunder from down under ruined anything between Sarah's body and Mike because there was no connection, nothing. That ship seems like it has done sailed. A absolute lack of chemistry. <laughs> yeah. So I I, I know that you're correct. I just don't like it is where I'm at right now. I know you, you need a minute to work through it. Yeah, no, it's it's Sam, Mary, Delinda, Chasm, Mike, Danny, Ed. I I am I, also guilty of trying to put too much stock into just this episode for Danny. And while it was a very good episode for Danny, especially in a vacuum on the whole, it's, it wasn't some unbelievable win. Had he actually had the threesome, then that's what we're missing. Uh, th- then he's given Sam a run to first. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. I'm I'm fine with that. I don't I don't like it, but that's you don't always have to like numbers. That's it's it's a math game. Math is cruel. Well, what's not cruel is the advice that you regularly bestow upon our dear listeners, because you bring them out of the darkness and into the light. So don't you. Swipe down from the action center on this episode's iPhone and hit that flashlight button for him. Well, kids, if you've got to bet one, win the fucking bet. Push the button. <laughs> it's done. The chicken is in the pot. Cook the chicken. What are we doing here, Michael? It's so dumb. So dumb. It's it's I'm I'm here for it. If Mike wants to let her go and not press charges 
And he's like, I'm going to take the heat with Big Ed. Like, we're not going to fucking throw you in jail. But like, you're done. Like, you can't work here anymore. Right. I'm sorry. And then he goes to Big Ed and Ed's going to rightly lose his shit. Like, what? You you don't get to make this call. He's going to be like, look, I believed her reasoning. It was flawed. She's gone. But look, she's a, you know, a tipped employee at a coffee shop. We're not getting the money back. We don't need to throw this old lady in jail. Come on. Right. Write it off as a charitable donation by the Montecito. Yeah. It, it never hit the books because Sarasvati sucked at that part of her job. So don't worry about it. It's like the wine. You know, like this was a found loss. Right. Not in the books. Just let it go. But this is inexcusable. Not only does he lose the bet, he should lose his job. This chicken will come home to roost. The chicken flew out of the pot because you didn't kill it. <laughs> and that's going to peck the shit out of you. Dumb, 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 dumb. And especially last thing on this, I I almost promise when he rises, what Betty's doing, the correct response is not the knowing smile. It's to be like, oh, thank you, Sarasvati. I appreciate that. And then to run over there and be like, Betty, lock it up. You're going to get us caught. I, I said you I was fucking moron. I said I was going to let you go. Chill the fuck out. Just don't come back, please. Correct. Cop let you off of the speed like didn't. Had you dead to rights on the D-dub, decided for whatever reason to let you off, and instead you followed back to the police house and insisted on taking a breathalyzer. <laughs> He's like, there was dash cam. I'm going to now get in trouble for letting you drive drunk. Why are you here? <laughs> no, no, no. It's good. It's good. I, I just want to do the right thing. Here. Here. What? This is, that's that's the sergeant's root beer. You're blowing bubbles in his soda. God damn it. It's not a fuck. <laughs> like Mike is headed towards a gun and badge moment and what, it's all his fault. Long, long time coming. Well, there was an allusion to two different whales because their wives needed to visit the world's best manicurist. We know Big Well is married. Any chance he's going to show up next time to get a manicure of his own? Well, Judson, next time on Pod at the Montecito, this chicken is making my back hurt. It's the chicken that you should have cooked in the fucking pot. Glad we were both there on that. No good deed goes unanswered. Pause for effect. (laughs) When Ed takes anger management classes, Sam hosts a basketball player with an interest in Mary and Delinda decides to cook for the homeless. I remember liking this episode a lot, actually. I, I don't I don't remember it. My yikes isn't because I think it's going to be a bad episode. It's because I think Delinda cooking for the homeless is very likely to be very offensive. It uh, it doesn't work out well. I remember that. I don't remember how. Uh, I mean, it's got to be food poisoning, right? Oh, yeah, of course. It's got to be where this goes. Yeah, no, that's that's the bit. I, I don't remember it being too cringy. Uh, I remember the Ed anger management stuff being phenomenal, though. Doesn't he get like a pillow he's got to squeeze? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Well, I hope you all will join us for that episode. I'm looking forward to it. But thank you all. Uh, you can email us, pod at the Montecito at gmail.com. You could tweet at us at Montecito Pod. we got a couple of hashtags you can use. Las Vegas for Peacock or get cozy with Vegas. Uh, I really, that's it. I mean, you could, you could leave reviews and shit if you want. That's fine. Um... You can meet up with us at the crime convention next year. That's going to be for the other podcast. Um, But other than that, you know, we appreciate your patience and, and hope you're having a good time and 
you know how to get a hold of us. Got a, you know, any feedback. We're always listening and ignoring it. But <laughs> we, we're at least we, listening. We usually read it, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We always read it. We just ignore it. Yeah. Because we couldn't do better if we tried, if we wanted to. Yeah. Y'all, like, by now, you know what you're getting out of us. Correct. We're like fucking 80 something episodes in it. Like, come on. <laughs> We're not building the airplane as we go. This is, you got as good an airplane as you're going to get. Probably should have driven. Well, we're going to let you go. We appreciate it. Y'all have been great. Looking forward to the next episode, Ed. And until then, I've been Judd. He's been Ed. And this has been Pod at the Montecito. This is... Yes.